The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month, ACB President Mitch Pomerantz reflects on three terms as president. And Lynn Cooper presents part one of the care and feeding of human mirrors. Welcome to ACB Reports for July 2013. Before we get to this month's features, here's a brief note about an important story that will be covered in greater detail in an upcoming edition of ACB Reports. Near the end of June, the World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO, approved a new treaty which brings major reforms to the area of international copyrights. In a sentence, this new agreement will make it much easier to share audio and electronic material intended for use by people who are blind or have other print impairments across international borders. Stay tuned for more information about this much-needed and hard-fought agreement. At production time this month, hundreds of suitcases across the country and around the world are being squeezed shut in preparation for travel to the 52nd Annual Conference and Convention of the American Council of the Blind. As reported last month, the location of that event this year is Columbus, Ohio. Planning for such a trip, or for many activities close to home, often involves gathering information from what Lynn Cooper of the Mirrors Project calls our human mirror. Lynn, as we begin this discussion of the care and feeding of human mirrors, remind us of the mission of the Mirrors Project. The Mirrors Project is a national initiative dedicated to enhancing the self-image and esteem of men and women living with visual impairments and other disabilities. Through its accessible outreach and advocacy efforts, the Mirrors Project demystifies and translates the nonverbal realm. The goal of the Mirrors Project is to level personal and professional playing fields while providing more positive, affirming reflections for all people, regardless of abilities. As the concept of the human mirror developed, Lynn has collected a number of tips related to the care and feeding of this important ally. Those tips are our subject this month. I'm going to offer a quote that guides my life and the work I do, and it is from Edith Wharton at the turn of the 20th century. She said, there are two ways to spread light, to be the candle or the mirror that reflects it. When we refer to light, we're going to be referring not so much to just physical light, as she did, but also we're going to be really referring to it as knowledge and the light of the wonder and the splendor inside of each and every human being. And that's knowledge of the world and knowledge of ourselves, because knowledge is power. So as we go through life, especially with a visual impairment, we really want to manage as best we can, and we want to make the world work for us as best we can. One way to make sure that our outsides, our billboard as we've called them, reflects all the wonder and magnificence of our inside, 
is to make sure that we know how we are presenting ourselves to the world. If you look at a mirror on the wall, that is a piece of glass with silver painted on the back, and that reflects only light. That is what a mirror does. It simply reflects light, nothing else. So to navigate effectively and confidently and successfully through the world and route to our goals, we really do need to understand how we're presenting ourselves to others. In order to do that, to look at our gaps, our gestures, our appearance, our posture, our space issues, and of course our speech, we need to have someone we trust be our human mirror. Now, our nonverbal messages, which I'm sure our listeners have heard us say many times, account for a full 80 to 90% of our message. So no matter how smart we are, no matter what we have inside, our billboard advertising, as I call it, on the outside, must be aligned and reflective of our inner gifts, our wonder and magnificence. So our verbal is part of our packaging, too. We have to be aware of how we speak, the tone of our voice, vocabulary, our etiquette, our social graces, how we move through the world is really important. So what we need to do is to look at the fact that if we have a visual impairment, monitoring our visual presentation to the world, and remember it takes three to five seconds for people to make an impression, and sadly if we have an obvious disability, that oftentimes is playing into stereotypes of our observers. But we really need to consider that we may need a little bit more work on monitoring our nonverbal presentation to the world. And that is where our human mirrors come in. I call them human mirrors. Everyone has them, regardless of our abilities. I had a friend growing up. I was a little bookworm, and my friend was not. She was very socially adept at a time I wasn't. And at a very young age, she took me aside and said, how's about you give me your smarts, and I will give you my social skills. So what we were really doing is reflecting to each other. I said to her, here's what I see you doing in conversations, and here are ways that you could do that differently or in a more strong, effective way. And she looked at me and my social skills and did just the same. I also used the word eyewitness as being synonymous with human mirrors. An eyewitness is asked to give just the information, not what they thought of the criminal, but just very objective observation. Being an eyewitness is really the big job of a human mirror. Now, when we talk about the care and feeding, the care, we're going to talk about how to really work with and appreciate and honor these human mirrors. And then the feeding of them is to feed them information and all of the other things that go into any human relationship in order to make it a healthy relationship. What we're doing by having a human mirror is not only getting our needs met, but we are also training people, helping people, and educating people. That human mirror, be it a friend, a work colleague, a romantic partner, a relative, is entrusted with giving us honest, objective, reliable, thoughtful, targeted, concise, kind and wise feedback. Feedback on nonverbal, that is the picture we present, verbal, that is our speech and our writing, and of course encompassing also our personality, our etiquette, our movement through life. The information that I will be sharing for our listeners is really information that needs to be shared with those people that 
potentially are our human mirrors. One of our thoughts when we're training a human mirror, because it does take time, you know, we don't know how to read Braille immediately. I don't ride a bike immediately the minute I put myself on the seat. So when we are thinking we need a human mirror, we really need to take a really honest appraisal of ourselves and our lives. Where do we have holes? Where do we need to have people tell us and reflect to us what they see as our needs? So I'm going to go through this as a checklist. And once again, the human mirror being the person that our visually impaired audience would go to, person or people. Some people have a human mirror at work and a human mirror at home and whatever for various facets of their lives. But these are ways to work with our human mirrors to make it a pleasurable and effective relationship. The first tip is to develop a clear list of your goals. Say we're going for a job interview. Well, we need a clear list of our goals. I need help in a human mirror looking at my resume. Are there typos? Is it straight on the page? Is the ink smeared? We need information at our interview outfit. Are the shoes that I think are shined, are they shined? Is everything clean? Is everything pressed? Does this shirt go with this tie? To do that, we need to take a real honest appraisal and what is our goal. If your goal is to get a job in corporate America, then your human mirror that you select and that you form a relationship with should have some understanding of that realm. You have to look at and list your questions for them because we do need to honor the time involvement with a human mirror. Do your homework is another tip. Look for the dress codes. Either you can get them online or call up a receptionist in the office in the department that you're looking to work at and ask them, please tell me what the dress code is. What do you think an appropriate outfit looks like? Because human mirrors are human beings and everyone comes from their own perspective and brings their own perspective to it. Remember, we want an eyewitness. We want a caring and gentle eyewitness, but we want an eyewitness. We don't want someone telling us what they think we look best in necessarily or what they would like us to wear. We have a target and we have to be very strategic, whether we're dating or whether we are looking for a job or we just want to put our wardrobe together. Some people use a human mirror to come in through their closet. I've done that for people and say, nope, outdated, yes, keep it, alter it, clean it, toss it, what have you. Another tip is select a human mirror candidate who is someone trustworthy, open, and willing to commit and somebody that is on your team in life. That would be somebody with the communication and personality compatibility We want to interview the human mirror. Maybe we want to take them to coffee or dinner. The personality they have, the experience they have, whether they come from uh, the industry that we wish to go to or they have enough experience. And if the person does not have that experience, please do not try to fit a square peg into a round hole. Ask them, do you know somebody who might be open to doing something like this? Another tip is to make sure that you talk to as many people as possible because that gives you a better chance of finding somebody who is up for the task. Make it as fun and easy as possible. Do it at home over wine. Do it in your office before hours. 
do it in the park if you need to bring a suitcase and go over your clothing or just sit and listen and give the person your needs. But do it in such a way as it is fun and it can lead to being open and candid. Another tip is barter and or give back something to your human mirror. Inhaling also needs exhaling. Exhaling needs inhaling. This is the care of your human mirror. We really cannot forget that we have to make sure that they're not taxed to the point of exhaustion because it does take time to be thinking of what they feel is best and to be going over someone's wardrobe or really giving thoughtful consideration. So offer to help your human mirror in a way that you can. Maybe you're an accountant and say, hey, listen, I'll give you a few tips for your taxes next year. You know, just make sure. I think it's very, very important, like any relationship in life, that it be balanced. Be willing and open and receptive to their feedback. Make sure you tell them that you are open to hearing their truth. And then remember, it is still that one person's opinion. So giving and getting permission is very important. Don't be afraid to get a second opinion. You know, we all have to trust that gut. And if you are, especially in the beginning, uh, let's say the probationary period, you know, we want to be open and honest as possible, and I do believe most people love to give their feedback, you want to really make sure that the human mirror will understand what this relationship involves and what you're looking for. There really is a probationary period, and I think that um, I have a friend who said to this human mirror, listen, I'd love to have you help me, but I'm not sure we're on the same wavelength. So I would suggest being as honest and open as possible. And as I said earlier, another tip is to cultivate a human mirror for various segments of your life. The human mirror that you have at work, who's going to be keenly aware of what the promotion outfit looks like, if you will, may be different from the human mirror that comes over and gives you tips on other things. And once again, this not necessarily a human mirror have to relate to just our bodies and how we adorn ourselves. A human mirror could be somebody who comes over when asked for feedback on our home, the decisions that we're making on decorating, or any of the other issues that you need help on. That was Lynn Cooper from The Mirrors Project in Chicago. Visit Lynn at her website, lynncooper.us. That's L-Y-N-N-C-O-O-P-E-R dot U-S. Don't miss part two of the care and feeding of human mirrors next month. Send your suggestions or comments regarding ACB reports to the American Council of the Blind, 2200 Wilson Boulevard, Suite 650, Arlington, Virginia, 22201. In July 2007, Mitch Pomerantz of Pasadena, California, was elected president of the American Council of the Blind. His third and final consecutive term in that post will end with the conclusion of the annual conference and convention of ACB on July 11th. 
During a recent conversation, I asked him how much time goes into being the president of ACB each day. Well, it varies. Some days it might be two to four hours. Other days it might be 10 to 12. And uh, as much as I try to avoid working on the weekends, I don't say it happens all the time, but it can. I mean, one of the things that I consider part of my responsibilities as president, I don't know that past presidents have felt the obligation, but I also monitor pretty closely our leadership and uh, general membership lists just because it's a way for me to keep in touch with the pulse of the organization. So I include that as part of, uh, of the job duties. What I think makes this more like an independent work-at-home type job as opposed to an office job is that it isn't a nine-to-five job necessarily. You know, I can get calls at seven in the morning. In fact, as this is being recorded last Friday, I was on a conference call dealing with the treaty that we're working with uh, for the World Intellectual Property Organization. I was on a 7 a.m. conference call. So this is not a nine-to-five job, and you never know when you get up in the morning. And uh, when I come into my home office and turn the computer on, what exactly is going to be uh, facing me that day? Without trying to steal any thunder from your final address to the assembly, what do you consider to be your greatest accomplishment during your term as president, and what was your biggest challenge? Two things that I'm most proud. One is that we have said for our 52 years of existence that we are a democratic organization. But up until 2012, we had elections where we did not use a secret ballot. Uh, When we had a standing vote, when we uh, had the need for uh, counting each of the members present in voting, uh, that was done by folks standing up. And the reality is we're not all blind. And I know that uh, there were times when people didn't feel comfortable for whatever reason, rightly or wrongly, expressing themselves, uh, voting their conscience, because maybe their boss was down the row. Maybe their affiliate president was down the row and could find out how they voted. Well, we got passed in 2011 and implemented for the first time in 2012 a truly secret ballot. And I think that we finally put our money where our mouths are. So that's one. The second accomplishment, although it's been much slower to really become implemented, but our organization is unique. We elect people to the board of directors who are not well-heeled financially, for the most part. We're elected because Hopefully we have something to bring to the organization in terms of expertise, but it's typically not financial resources. So the other thing that I'm most proud of is the fact that we passed last year a provision to establish an advisory board to hopefully gain entree to folks who uh, have an interest in ACB and who have access to the fiscal resources that we truly need. We've brought two people on board. I'm hoping for 10 I think that along those lines, my biggest challenge, the thing that I had hoped to 
be more successful with and unable to was the fact that we still struggle with a budget that is uh, currently a little south of a million dollars. I really had hoped that during my time as president we could have doubled that. But these are difficult times, not just for ACB, and I keep pointing this out to folks. It isn't just ACB that's struggling fiscally. I don't know of one not-for-profit agency or organization that's rolling in dough anymore. Uh, We're seeing it with some of the uh, changes that are occurring uh, around the country with uh, the guide dog schools. A lot of folks are getting laid off. Uh, We're seeing it uh, with other service organizations. You know, the economy may be picking up for everybody else, but if you're in the not-for-profit sector, it's not a bed of roses. So that's been my challenge. You know, I'm not a fundraiser by disposition. It's something that the leader of an organization has to do. We brought on, over the last four or five years, a couple of different development directors. We've had mixed results. But bringing in the revenue is a significant challenge, and it will continue to be so for some time to come, I think, for us. If you could tell the person who follows you in this job one thing, what would that be? Uh, <laughs> just one just, thing. Just one. I know you want to hand that person a book. It is really, I think, the job of a president to act as a leader, to be responsible, to make good decisions, and to be a motivator to the membership, to use a very cliched term, to lead by example. You know, I have to make decisions, I wouldn't say every day, but on a fairly regular basis that are tough decisions. I say there are two kinds of people in this world. There are head people and there are heart people, and I tend to be a head person. I tend to to try to think things through and to use logic. And I think the next president of this organization needs to be logical and to really assess, but also to be enough of a heart person, a people person, to understand that we're comprised of thousands of members, all of them have individual concerns and desires, and you've got to also reach out to them and be an example and to motivate them and keep their interest up in the work of the American Council of Blind. Is there any other comment you want to make about the convention and conference or about being president for that matter? I have very mixed feelings. Uh, you know, it wasn't so difficult when I retired from my full-time job four and a half years ago because I knew that I would be devoting more of my time to ACB. Now I'm kind of taking stock of what I'm going to do once the convention concludes. And so I've reached this point with kind of mixed feelings, but I'm also looking forward to uh, new challenges. I'll still remain involved in the organization, but, you know, I, uh, I think it was John Adams who talked about the citizen politician. You know, you serve your time in Congress, and then you go back and tend the farm. Well, I'm going to go back and deal with some more local issues and do some other things. And I so, bet the president of the California Council of the Blind can keep you quite busy. Well, she's already trying to do that. Uh, <laughs> so I think I'm overall looking forward to having a little less on my plate. But, uh, you know, I love this organization. I love what it stands for. I love what we've done. 
and I'm confident that the next president will be equally successful in moving our agenda forward. And you now have the opportunity to choose a little more on an individual basis what gets on your plate. (laughs) You know, what I'm now saying to folks is I want to be thought of as a diplomat without portfolio. You know, I'll take on special assignments. I want to be the... uh, the Henry Kissinger of ACB or, or someone to that. You, you uh, date that yourself effect. when you say that, you know. Oh, I know, I do. <laughs> I could have said the John Foster Dulles, but... Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> fill in the blank. Okay, well, we look forward to seeing you in Columbus, and uh, thanks a lot for the six years that you have literally given to this organization. Well, thank you for your support and for uh, doing such an able job with ACB Reports. That was Mitch Pomerantz, the outgoing president of ACB. Join ACB Reports next month to meet the newly elected president of the American Council of the Blind. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.